listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 404. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. And, dude, we've only got a couple more episodes before we've got to make another decision, and we are... I know, this is... We're not good at that. We really kind of paint ourselves in the corner with this one. We have, and uh, Brian Thackerberry, I guess, is, is picking up Fred's mantle, or the mantle that <laughs> Fred has been waving, and suggested your show, Alice in Borderland in the uh, Facebook group. So I still haven't seen it, but obviously we've got to start thinking about these things. Well, I'm not going to reveal any personal biases, but at least not publicly. We can talk about it. Anyway, um, hopefully your week is going well. I got out to cut my lawn today before the floods start. looks like rain all week and uh, missed out on Monday, but got it. Got it done. Yeah. Yeah, we got to have a lacrosse practice in the rain yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Wow, you know it's funny you mentioned <laughs> lacrosse. You know, I, I don't know. I, I know you don't spend as much time on the internet as I do. Obviously, I have more time than you do at, at this point. But uh, you know, I'm friends with a lot of my former players on Facebook, and, and of course, you know, a lot of my players are of the age now where they're having children, and and you know, in some cases, multiple children. But as I've said before, I coached softball for 20 years. Dude, my softball player is posting pictures of her daughters with lacrosse sticks. Yeah. That just ain't right. That's, that's, yeah, it's Maryland now, man. Oh. Like, it's, it's taken over. Yeah, because like, you're right. When I was growing up, everyone played baseball, right? Like, I played baseball until I was in fifth grade. But lacrosse has really, especially in this state, is has just kind of made inroads and really has cut into, uh, you know, baseball a lot. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really want to reply on her thread, but I'm afraid <laughs> of what I might say. Uh, I, I know they would take it in the spirit that it's meant, but you know, you wonder right. m- maybe the husbands played lacrosse and, and that's where it comes. Oh, look, even I will admit a lacrosse is a great game and, and I get that kids would much rather in many cases just run around than be stationary which is what of course the game of baseball and softball is all about to a certain extent but uh, anyway we're not here to talk sports we got to do that on our other podcast but (laughs) right yeah we gotta get that one going yeah no kidding but uh anyway what are you watching this week i picked up Two shows, uh, one that uh, you had mentioned before and one that I just kind of saw browsing Amazon Prime and decided to try out and ended up being good. So the first one, and I, I've only gotten four episodes in this one, is uh, The Witcher, which I believe we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. You were surprised I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. So what do you think? So far, I, you know, oh. I don't know. Um, okay. it, I was... Like I had said before I even saw it, I, I was my main reservation about it was that I'd heard like if you hadn't played the video game that you really would kind of not know what's going on. And for the most part, that's not true. But I, I'm sure you'll know the one episode where all of a sudden they go back in time like 30, 40 years or something. And all these people who died in the first episode are now alive again, and I was really confused there for a little bit. So, so I mean, I think the, the I, and listen, I'm, I'm not going to make judgments because I haven't seen the whole thing yet. 
Um, but the, the problems that I have are the problems that I have with a lot of like, you know, fantasy, fantasy that it just gets so wrapped up in the in the creatures and the magic and all this stuff that it that the story is like not as compelling because they they just want to show you magical creatures and people doing magic and casting spells and all this stuff and so yeah so no, we'll I understand like, that sure I'm only four episodes in so no judgment yet. Um, and, and certainly other shows that have started, and let's say it started slow because obviously there's a lot of action in it. There's a lot of good action. Um, Henry Cavill is pretty good in, in his role and everything. It's just, you know, right when I thought I was getting my bearings as to what was going on and when I find out that I was completely wrong, um, about it and that, you know, like the, the one girl who I thought her story was taking place at the same time as the Henry Cavill story. And it turns out that her story actually was taking place like 30 years ago or something. So, um, so anyway, uh, the other one, which is on Amazon Prime, which I just kind of, I don't know, it just popped it up, I think, suggested for me. It's called Plebs. Have you ever seen the show Plebs? No, no never even heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, it is a very funny show uh, taking place in Rome in like like 30 B 20, 20 around 26 to 23 BC or something like BCE. And it's a, a comedy following these uh, two young guys who are young single dudes uh, living in Rome and uh, experiencing a lot of the, you know, like you could basically probably put it there living in modern day New York or, or, you know, or London or something. And it would kind of work out uh, just the same. So, you know, it's really funny. Uh, the, these two guys have menial office jobs. The, the one guy is a copier. So he literally they give him a document. And he has to write it out again. He's, he's, he's the copy machine and his friend sits right across from him. He's the shredder. So they just give him papers to rip up. So and, the, and the, the boss of the company calls them copier and shredder. She never refers to them by their names. So yeah, it's a, it's 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 actually I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with it so far. I still got and again it's like I think five seasons so far, uh, like six episodes a season. So it's a it's a pretty quick quick uh, watch as well. All right. Well, I am watching The Alienist, which originally aired on TNT and. It's basically a show about a person who is known as an alienist, what we would know today as a criminal psychologist. It takes place in 1896, and there are two seasons, 2018 and 2020. Both can be found on HBO Max, which is where I'm watching it. But it follows this team of three individuals, two men and a woman, the the one man is the alienist. He is the criminal psychologist. Although right. at this and that's point, Daniel Brule, right? Yes, and yeah. it, you know then he's got a, another guy who is a uh, an illustrator and a writer for the New York Times, and then of course Dakota Fanning is uh, you know the first female that works for the New York City Police Department, and then you know they form this team. And it is a crime drama. They investigate one crime for the entire season. And season one is 10 episodes. We just started season two, which then 
takes place a year later in 1897. There are some historical figures. Teddy Roosevelt is the New York police commissioner in season one. Uh, William Randolph Hearst is is a recurring character in season two, and it's really good. It, 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 you know, it's funny. It's one of these shows that, that you listen to the dialogue, and in, at first it seems extremely stilted, but I guess that's the way they spoke then. And, and, and right. this is the Gilded Age. They, they refer to the 400, those 400 elite families in New York that pretty much ran things not only in New York City, but for much of the country. So it's really a good show. We're, we're really enjoying it. I love that time period, you know, the late Victorian era. So, um, you know, probably by next week we will be finished season two and scrambling for a new show. Cool. Yeah, that's definitely one of those shows that, um, you know, when I'm watching Snowpiercer, uh, at least when I was watching season one, I think, I believe it was about the same time that maybe season one of The Alien, or maybe season two of The Alienist came out. Um, and so, actually, I believe it was season two. Um, and so they're showing a lot of the you know the, the clips and the trailers for, for that show. It does look really good. That's, that's, that's always a show I've kind of had on my back burner, but I guess it's never been on anything that was available to me, but now it sounds like it is. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get to Be Foreigners, episode four of season one. We are in the second half of the season, written by Ilif Skodvin, directed by Jens Lean, and as we said, they, they pretty much do each episode. This one aired originally September 4th, 2019. Is it fair to say we get some answers, kind of, in this episode? I mean, do we now have evidence that travel to the past is possible? I, unless uh, Madi is pulling a double whammy on her friends. I think we definitely have evidence that travel to the past is. And so maybe that the guy with the, uh, the diving equipment wasn't such a nutcase after all. Yeah. So, I mean, why don't we start talking about that? Because the opening scene, the bend over girls are trying to win a best (laughs) name contest by faking a time immigration event, which is completely believable. There are probably, thousands of these kinds of videos on youtube i don't know what uh, social media network they had in this country at that point but maddie jumps in the water at the girl's urging pretend she's in trouble and i and i think we kind of anticipated it was going to be a just kidding which of course it was Mm -hmm. but then there's that flash she's gone seconds later a second flash And a group of three people from the Viking age appear and she's one of them. But we see right away her her teeth have yellowed terribly and are crooked. So what the hell happened here? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I get that they yellowed, but for them to be crooked as well. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were before, too. But uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously she has instantaneously gone through a a tremendous change. Well, I guess the thing that that is so puzzling of course how long was maddie's stay in the past right judging by the aging process we'd have to say not very damn long but then you look at her teeth but then i think what really is the crucial matter here is she doesn't seem to have any remembrance of living in the past right which is the same thing which we saw with uh with tori hund 
uh, last week, right? Because, you know, he claimed at first, I don't know if we believed him when he claimed he didn't remember anything, but then I think as the episode went on, we realized he actually did not remember anything from before and only recalled it when put into a stressful situation. Right, and and he does get bits and pieces, which we see that scene with Maddie when she's in her room and, and she picks up the necklace with the cross on it and flashes to a scene that we've seen a number of times in the episode uh, in the series of the burning Christian cross, which again, we don't need to belabor the, the conflict between the, the Norse and, and the Christians. So it seems to be an indicator that she was at least there long enough to experience something like that. But, you know, did she get transported into the middle of a battle, what we would call these days a firefight? And then yeah. just as quickly finds herself back in the 21st century. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I, I said instantaneously, but of course, it's only instantaneous for the, the girls in the boat. For, for Maddie, obviously, she had spent some time in the past. You, you know, like that, she, you know, she, she definitely was in the past long enough for her, like her teeth to go all goofy. Um, so I don't know how long that takes if you don't brush your teeth, uh, for your teeth to go all yellow and gross like that, but, but not long enough for her to have, have aged appreciably, right? So she doesn't, you know, pop back up and now she's, you know, 10, 15 years older. She's basically, it seems about the same age she was when she went into the war. Yeah. So uh, what she actually experienced, hopefully we'll get some insight into that later on in the season, but the other interesting thing here is the temproxate, which we know that Lars has been using illicitly for quite some time now, but it's also the drug that is given to the time migrants when they first appear in the 21st century. So does the fact that she was using that recreationally right. somehow impact what happens to her? Right. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, for sure. Right. But of course, at this point, we really don't know how and why did it only affect her teeth and, and not her skin, for instance. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great scene. And, and it, it certainly in terms of a, a plot deviation gives us something to work around. So hopefully, you know, we'll we'll yeah. get that explored. But but even before that, the parents are parents and they're upset that the drugs were found in the kid's blood. And Lars kind of, I don't want to say he brushes it aside. I mean, at first he's like, ah, so they, they drank a little bit. But of course, Gregor says, no, it wasn't that. We understand why Lars doesn't act yeah. self-righteous in, in this case. But still, he is a dad. His daughter well, had a close call. Yeah. I don't think he's dodged this particular bullet, you know. you know, it, it seems like he has. That Maddie, and not sorry, Maddie Ingrid is, you know, going to keep her mouth shut, but the other girls, I think, all know where the drugs came from as well. I, I don't, I don't feel like he's going to be able to keep this under wraps, you know. And I, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with him when, um, you know, he kind of let Gregor take the fall for it because everyone thinks, well, because he's a beforeer, it's a beforeer drug, as one of the parents says. So he, he must have been the one that they got it from. 
And of course, you know, Gregor's is a very straight arrow kind of guy. Likes a little bit of vermouth in the pipe, but otherwise, uh, we know it's not from him. But and, and of course, that I think what does he call it? A, a, a timist or something yes. like that? Uh, you know, it's it's a very ugly uh, attitude for the parents to take. Um, and of course, Lars, I, I don't know, if we blame him for not, but he could have stepped in and said, you know what, that's actually probably mine. And he could have made up some BS. Like it was prescribed to him or something like that, um, and but he just kind of lets it go and lets Gregor kind of take the blame for his. Yeah, and so. I love the irony there because, as you say, he could have stepped up even if he just said, "Hey, that's not right." You know, he, he's a person. He didn't ask to come here. Back off. He, I mean, he didn't have to admit that the drops were his to defend Lars. But then, what's the uh, the outcome here? is that the two men grow closer. Gregor's confides in Lars that he lost his son in a storm. And, and, you know, we're wondering whose grave he's sitting before, you know, in the opening scene. And then later, when they get back from the hospital, he invites him in for a drink. And as you said, so Lars, do you you use the pipe? (laughs) And of course, uh, he doesn't. And the the two of them sit down and have a vermouth and and smoke the pipe. And, uh, you know, are are these two going to go grow closer together, which is not at all what we expected. Now, like Fred mentions in his feedback, it seems like Marie is at the the crux and the core of all the discontent within the families. So, yeah, well, we don't even see her, right? Right. She's um, at a conference. Do we see her? Yeah, right. So, um, so yeah, they get to just kind of bro it out a little bit. And um, it looks like they're going to kind of maybe start to understand each other a little bit better. But, uh, you know, I just, like I said, I, I just feel that this, the the fact that the, the drugs came from Lars and that the parents don't know, like, I don't, like, no one's going to drop it, right? I don't think anyone's going to drop it and just say, ah, like, whatever. I guess we don't know how they got them. Uh, someone's and they're teenage kids. So, I mean, you've worked in the high school long enough to know that most kids, you know, they're pretty easy to break. If you put enough pressure on them, you threaten them with, uh, things like, especially doing with grades and things like that, uh, or phones nowadays that, uh, they, they tend to, they tend to snap and, and to be terrible liars in the first place anyway. Yeah. Well, um, you know, so. and the other thing we forgot to mention is when they're still in quarantine, which didn't seem to actually last all that long but maddie desperately wants to talk to ingrid because she thinks the doctors are lying to her about the discoloration of her teeth which is fine but she mentions seeing things but then doesn't elaborate i think we talked last week about the drops and the fact that they had to mean something in terms of the overall narrative or else why'd you put them there and and of course they they really do mean something. So we, we suspect she saw the burning cross in the middle of a battle, but we don't know what else she, she saw. And, and maybe she's so freaked out at this point, she really can't even articulate it. Although, to be fair, she really doesn't have much of a chance with Ingrid in, in this episode to sit down and talk. Right. Well, also, she says, now, I mean, you, you interpreted that she was talking about the doctor's. I'm not sure who she's talking about because she says they're lying. Does she does she clarify who she means by there? 
Well, she doesn't. I guess I just assumed she meant the doctor. Well, she who- might have. I just missed it because I, I just remember wondering who's the there that she's referring to. She keeps saying that they're lying, but she doesn't specify. I mean, the doctors is a good, that's a good theory. I, you know, that, that could very well be. Well, the one thing we learn in this episode is that the younger woman that we referred to as the Amish slash 19th century woman with martial arts skills turns out to actually be military. And now we know where her skill set comes from. Sure. She's got a doctor at the hospital who turns over Maddie's file. And one of the things that jumps out at us when she opens it is the phrase temporal anomalies confirmed. So whether this is something that she expected to see or her group is somehow directly involved, we don't know yet. I mean, yeah. and of course, um, what you mean by jumped out of this is the bit that they, uh, they put on the uh, subtitles for us. Right. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, the other thing about Maddie that, that I found interesting when she's at home and she's in her room and, and her parents are overjoyed as at least as much as they can be that their little girl is home and she's got acceptable clothing on she's her hair's fixed she's got lipstick on but of course she's she's trying to do the thing where she tries to hide her teeth and then as soon as the parents leave she takes off her earrings wipes off the lipstick and puts them back in the jewelry box and of course that's when the the scene with the necklace happens but she then kneels and prays so again is it something much deeper than simply dealing with these yellow teeth or is it just something so horrific that she experienced or just so unexplainable and understandable that this is what the only thing she knows to do in this case yeah those are all great ideas i don't know if i I, you know i i maybe kind of favor that last one where she just uh has no other recourse so she she is kind of rolling with religion as far as because as you said just what she's facing is so inexplicable well we get a little bit more insight about the stolen drone that ends up killing navin and of course the search for navin's killer is the second big part of this episode but the other aspect of this storyline is the fact that we see alfieder on her own and i i just love watching her work and i love the fact that when she needs help she asks for it and you know it starts out there at the crime scene which turns out to be navin's dead body and again i love it she thinks the wounds were caused by spears yeah (laughs) which on the one hand I'm not buying because we've talked about how quickly she's absorbed 21st century elements. So she's been through police training. I can't imagine this is the first dead body she's seen, you know, maybe in the field, but I don't know, but it was still funny. And I guess that's it. Why it was there. It was meant to be funny, but she sees the body flashes to a battle scene from her uh, from her past and then Lars gets that call that Ingrid's at the hospital and he's got to leave her to organize the search grid on her own which again she's never done it before do you think she knows how to read a map 
Uh, probably not. She certainly doesn't know how to fold one. <laughs> no, man, that was that's Dad One Hundred and One. I mean, th- yeah. of course, nobody <laughs> uses maps anymore. You, I think you're still young enough. You remember riding in the car with your parents? Yeah, and, uh, definitely do. We go on a long trip. You go to the AAA and get the triptych that had your your whole route planned out there. But uh, no more kids these days don't know how to fold a map, and nor yeah. does uh, Alf eater. But she makes the best with what she's got i mean we look see her consulting the map but we have no clue whether she knows what she's even looking at but she notices blood on a leaf and starts tracking which is something that's apparently familiar to her she still doesn't exactly know what she's supposed to do so she calls lars and and i love that about the developing chemistry between the two partners and she and, and she does this on multiple occasions in this episode as the case unfolds that you know he's my partner i'm going to ask him what i should be doing and and in certain cases she she takes it upon herself to do what she thinks will work in the instant but back at the precinct we get some great scenes between her and wanky She's briefing the troops on what she's found. And of course, Wanky's given her a hard time about the resources for the search. And then she confronts her about whether the blood is human. Hello, I know what human blood tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that is just, that you was know, I mean, line. I guess that, uh, that particular phrase probably went over a lot better back in the Norse era than it does in modern times. So, right. But then, when Wanky challenges her, she tells her, shut up and sit down. I'm in charge. And I'm like, yes. Well, I'm surprised. Uh, but yeah, I yes. also believe she told her that her snatch dried up 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, when she calls her out on uh, putting moss down her pants, it's like, yeah. hello, all tress with wings. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so much for women united at. Uh, this right, precinct right. but uh but but again you, you know it's like everybody knows that that woman is always looking for the easy way out and you know even the boss suggests that alfred are just just be a little more flexible with subordinates which is good advice and i mean that's what she needs to do and uh, rather than chastise her over the inappropriate thing she says to her co-worker but uh but still well, fair you know fair enough the you know wenche is the one who brought up the whole menstruation theme here in the first place so you know she yeah. she just i mean alf alfeder just got her back had a snappy reply you know she, she deserves it she shouldn't have gone there in the first place right but she's now in the, in a position where i've got to find the killer i don't have much time i've got no resources what do i do all right, I'll go find Erd, see what she's up to. She's playing some sort of a sport with three guys. It's got a stick and a ball, and, yeah. you know, what else do you need for a sport? Looks kind of like um, hurling a little bit, maybe, but. Yeah, yeah, sort of. And ask for their help finding the murder scene. I'll buy you drinks if you help. Yeah. Hey, that's all we need to oh. know. They've got a dog. They have mushrooms, and, you know. What else do you need in a that's, murder that's, investigation? Right, exactly. A, a, a dog, mushrooms, and, and promise of a bar tab. Right. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Erd and the cancer. And, and again, Fred brings that up in his feedback. But 
she's coping, I guess, the best she can. And this is the perfect vehicle for her to, you know, get away from that aspect of her life. And she's hanging out uh, uh, the window screaming, if we're going to be cops, let us be cops. And turns on the lights and the sirens will grab the city by the balls and bring evil to its knees, which is like something we expect to hear on arrow or the flash. I, I loved that shot. I love the lines. I love how they shot that. It was absolutely tremendous. Um, And you just, what we, we see here. And of course we are completely sympathizing with the Norse, right? I mean, everyone loves Vikings, right? Everyone thinks Vikings are super cool, and um, here we see that because the – I'm sorry, I'm using the V word. I, I, I didn't mean to do that. But uh, that, uh, you know, with her hanging out the car and, and yelling these things to the air and, like, you know, punching her fists and everything, it was just so absolutely cool. And, you know, what we see is, is like – Erd especially and the that group and we we see it again back at the the bar where you know they live life like there's no tomorrow at all like they have like very little consideration at all for the future they live in the moment they you know i believe thoreau would call it sucking the marrow out of the bones of life right that they don't waste the time so you know i guess we need to maybe consider that when we think about her approach to her cancer is that, you know, instead of spending my days miserable and sick, I'm going to, I'm going to live it up for as, even if it's for a shorter time, I'm going to, you know, get what I can out of life while I can. And I'm not going to spend my time losing my hair hooked up to an IV in a hospital. Well, you know, and that's what's so fascinating about Alfeder because in her job, she, she's, got to find that balance between wanting to live life just as you described erd and and the others yet as a police officer she really can't do that she's got to pick her spots and they get to the area where you know she had staked out earlier and she explains to them that you know we've set up a search perimeter and of course they find that hilarious and she starts calling her nerd hildy um (laughs) But then she says, my honor as an officer is at stake and completely seriously. And it's like the 11th century sensibility transcends eras right. that, you know, her honor is is something that Erd and the others can understand. Yeah, they totally get and that. Yeah. So they get the dog named Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ginsburg's not a character from the 11th century, but. No, but he was, uh, you know, uh, is it Allen Ginsberg, the beat poet, you know, that they're... Well, that's what I'm guessing based on, you know, what we see in a little bit. Yeah. But they're they're running against time because it's going to rain. And since this is an outdoor setting, rain is going to spoil the crime scene and, and the clues. They, they find the spent cartridges. But apparently her team was in a hurry to get out of here because one of them was expected to be on stage at an open mic night to recite poetry. And again, what a wonderful scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just, you know, when, when we think again, and, and as an English teacher and I haven't really had a chance to, to teach 
British literature straight in a, in a long, long time. But I used to when I taught at a private school, and I would you know do Beowulf and and tell them how this was this was entertainment, right? You don't have movies. You didn't have well back in then they had pagers, not cell phones. But you know you didn't have movies. You didn't have TV. So there was the one guy, or maybe a couple guys, but you know very few who knew the stories, right? And everyone would get around and they listen to this dude tell the great stories of of the heroes of the, of the of the past. And you know, when you're reading Beowulf, this is a, a story that probably started off as a pretty minor accomplishment, maybe pretty modest accomplishment, maybe by some dude long, long ago. And every time it got told, the story just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but this is, and so we see that, right? We see like they're calling Lay of the King, Lay of the King, you know, like they have their favorite story that they want to hear. They don't want to hear all this other crap he wants to tell them about, with his poetry. They have like their, their favorite story that they want to hear him do that. Right. In, instead of his new free form verse called The Maze, like you said, they're out there shouting free bird. Right. So, I mean, it, it, we, we get it completely because it, it again it's one of those things that transcends eras that is, is just so wonderful because what what band hasn't you know faced that same mm-hmm. problem you know when they're trying to perform their new material and everybody just wants to hear you know yeah the, just the look at there everyone's just sitting down all right cripes let's play stairway to heaven for crying out loud Exactly. Well, I don't think Led Zeppelin um, ever ran that problem, but certainly the Rolling Stones, um, no one wants to hear their new stuff at all. And, uh, you know, so it's just like, all right, come on, honky tonk woman, jump a jack flash, you know, play that. We don't want to hear this new stuff. It's not any good anyway. Now, as all this is going on, Erd tells Alfieder that she's begun treatment. And, you know, we hear that, that Viking war music, which is sort of updated with a modern feel. And then this light show that's going on in the bar but next day she's still a wall <laughs> lars drives to her place and finds her passed out in bed with erd and one of the guys i hosted a small social gathering for the search crew <laughs> <laughs> and his reaction well did you write the report and she's like report mm-hmm. i'll help you write it and again that that teamwork that that thing a partner does for his or her partner that just just keeps getting stronger and stronger between the two of them, even though they still both have a lot of secrets from each other. Yeah. And again, that's one of the interesting things about these two is the secrets you know, come out into the open. Yeah, yeah. And what we're increasingly seeing with our field here is, as you said, her, you know, she's trying to find this balance between the her life as a viking warrior and now her life as a member of the oslo police department right so it's all great and good to go howl at the moon with your friends but if you have to write a report about the evidence you collected the previous night that you went through all this trouble but will be for naught if you don't write the report you know you got to be up in the morning to write the report right And, and that's something she learned you know, a couple episodes back about doing research on the computer. And, and this is, as you imply, this is the next step that she is going to have to learn. Of course, Lars handles it perfectly uh, when he 
you know, writes that she used civilian help in this case, uh, recruited a SAMI specializing in traditional pathfinding techniques, which sounds like something you'd put on your resume. Yeah. The woman in charge is ecstatic. Yeah. Forensics determines, though, it was a military drone and, and, you know, that whole thing. Well, who would kill a Stone Age guy with a drone? That's, that's an yeah. excellent okay. question. That Did you think you ever question. in your life would ask, be, find yourself saying those words right next to each other? <laughs> you got to love right. the, the era of sci-fi that we live in, right? Right. But everything starts unfolding fast and furiously as they research the drone. And then I think it's Lars that finds that there are only about 10 people in all of Norway with the skill to fly that particular drone. And once he starts looking through the files of those qualified to fly it we see it's treen syverson aka amish woman with uh many skills that right an amish woman shouldn't have <laughs> right. yeah. the, the uh this, this is basic amish stuff is that you uh, have basic uh fighting hand-to-hand combat techniques and able to operate the drone which you know calls us into question why this young lady would use the drone to kill Navin, right? I mean, if there's only, I mean, certainly she must know she's one of only a handful of people in the country who knows how to operate this thing. So automatically that's going to narrow down the suspect list a lot. Whereas, you know, if she used those combat skills to like maybe, you know, take him down in the woods with like a knife or maybe a gun or whatever, even probably would never ever get back to her because obviously it's well, not, right. I'm sure it's not common that people just get knifed in the woods, but you know, it's certainly going to not, <clears throat> they won't be able to narrow the suspect list as quickly as they were able to. Well, right. And then of course there's that question that that 19th century reporter brings up and we've seen her in multiple scenes during the course of the first four episodes where she confronts the chief about a possible connection between the two murders that Lars and Alfidar are are in fact investigating and you know we, we hear that there was a joint operation between the harbor police and the military to use these drones and, and of course we've got the uh, the guy that was in uh, uh, Ragnarok uh, God Ragnarok, thank you, uh, who works for the Harbor Police and, and uh, you know, may or may Let's not. Let's just call him uh, Eric. I going, can't remember what his character's name is. Here. Yeah, I'm right. We'll just call but, him Eric. Uh, right. But, again, it gets back to why do they need to use a drone to take out Navin and for what reason? I, I mean. Well, I mean, the, the reason, we, I, I mean, she went and told him he had to chill, right? Oh, wait, no. Right. Yeah. Is that what she told him? The, the point is, is that we, we understand that she represents someone like Navin isn't at the top of the pecking order. You know, we talked about how he's a criminal mastermind, but he's it's not exactly that. As far as we see, he's he's a, a cog in the machine. He's part of a, a criminal organization, but he's not the dude in charge. Um, sure. and, and this lady, this girl, a young woman. Uh, represents the the person who who's in charge, and apparently the person who's in charge is none too pleased with how Navin has been getting on with things. Um, you know, just one last thing uh, that I wanted to bring up about Erd's 
cancer and, and you know we see that scene where they go to the hospital and it cuts immediately to the MRI machine which she's reluctantly submitting to and it's clear she's afraid which again this is a shield maiden but we understand that there are so many levels of fear that she must be experiencing at this point but Alfieder tells her a story from the control room to ease her fears but what i i love about this is that it's as much about Alfieder as it is erd because erd is her link to the past and while she certainly doesn't want to sever that link. Like we said before, she's got to find that balance in her life. And it's just so damn difficult for her. And we understand why, which then leads into that one scene, the dude with the baseball cap at the precinct. Right. I don't know what his I name is where he, where he shows Wanky, right. That he's learned Alfieder's search team. They were actually shroomies, not pathfinders, and that Erd's social media page implies she was a shield maiden. So could that mean Alfidor is also? So, you, you know, like you said, what a dick. Yeah. But I, I think what would likely happen if it turns out that these two present it to the bosses, she's a shield maiden, she needs to be fired. They ain't firing her. Number one, she's a public relations gold mine because she's a foreigner and she's extremely good at her job. Right. Well, and in addition, so, I mean, she gave him this golden nugget of actually using other uh, temporally displaced people to help find the crime scene. So this is like a public relations bonanza. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, whether anything's going to come of that, I don't know. Hopefully it's one of those scenes that if they do, confront their superiors the superiors tell them go away don't want to hear right well you you get a feeling like uh, these two are maybe not super well liked around maybe that's just because we don't like them as but yeah it seems like people like that people don't really like people are always like backstabbing and nasty and like that so all right uh anything we haven't talked about well i like how um Alfie Deer called the, the, the lady an 1800s wannabe. Uh, I thought that <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny. good. Um, yeah, she gets some great lines. She, she, she does indeed. Oh, um, that you know, the drone, the fact that the drone was, was created because a, uh, you know, a temporally displaced person committed a mass murder when he arrived. So they made these drones, I guess, as a way that they could you know, shoot them. <laughs> The second they arrived, if they started getting out of line, but I just, I think it ties in with that, you know, that, that again, you know, if we see this show as kind of an allegory for our, our you know, nowadays with immigration uh, today and distrust of the other, well, that's, you know, a perfect example of coming up with this extreme reaction to you know what it seems like probably an isolated incident but i mean still traumatic nonetheless obviously but still isolated and to um you know in in response you come up with this incredibly uh dangerous killing device that is is now being used to uh to take out a paleolithic man so yeah I i think that's about it that i got all right, well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. 
Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Before Us Season 1, Episode 4. First off, what am I watching? As said last week, I'm watching Dark Angel, second season, and Firefly. For people who don't want to have spoilers for the 2001-2002 period about Dark Angel, Firefly, and Birds of Prey, they should skip the next two minutes. In the second season of Dark Angel, a new character comes in, Asha, played by Ashley Scott, and you were referring to her. And I knew you did a podcast also about Birds of Prey with the very young Rachel Scarston, who is 16 or 17 when they filmed that. It's only one season, and I watched so far three episodes, and I indeed, as Wayne asked me by Facebook direct message, yeah, I really like it. It's, of course, a Batman follow-up story, where Rachel Scarston plays a runaway with some supernatural powers. It's called a meta-human in this series. And Helena is actually the daughter of Catwoman and Batman, played by Ashley Scott. And Barbara, played by Dinah Meyer, is actually Batgirl, who got injured and landed up in a wheelchair. Actually quite similar to Logan in Dark Angel, who is also most of the time in his wheelchair until he gets his automatic, automated braces so he can walk a little bit. A theme, though, in the second season of Dark Angel is the fact that Max is infected by a virus. And funny or not so funny thing is that she has to keep a one and a half meter distance to Logan, which quite complicated their relationship because finally they got a little bit closer and then she got infected by this virus. Well, does that remind you of something? In the Birds of Prey podcast, which was 2014, one of you said something about one of my favorite films. Have a listen. All these shows, that you're not, you're not watching any of these shows, that they deal with it, but Almost Human again deals with the same thing. And, and I actually watched Gattaca last night, too, the boot. So this whole, th- this is really like kind of a theme in my life recently of uh, that how in the 21st century, this idea of creating people who are better as humans, people who can be genetically engineered to, like in Gattaca, that they they don't have diseases, you know, they're more intelligent, they're more physically capable, things like that. Well, Wayne, funny to hear that genetic engineering was a theme in your life seven years ago. Okay, let's go into Before Us, episode four. First off, correcting a nitpick I talked about last week, and that is that this bohemian girl could overpower Navin, our Stone Age nude guy, and now we discover that she is a military trained person, so it gets less and less unlikely, and it also makes it much le- and it also makes it much more likely how she quickly could steal all the police data from Alf Hilder's tablet. What's a good thing that the police story gets onward, and I think in that sense it's it's a good series. But what starts to annoy me is that we still don't know, although we are four episodes in of the six, that we don't know anything about the cause of this time travel. Um, and as you said in one of your podcasts, is this a natural phenomena or is it somehow engineered? And why are the PC people coming from three specific time periods. We still don't know anything about that. 
Furthermore, I find the B or C story of Earth having cancer and skipping her treatment, etc. You could fully see that coming, actually. I don't know if I like that theme so much. Of course, for the bonding between Alf Hildur and Earth, it will be good because she is going to go with her in this kind of battle, but still. I don't like it that much as a C or D story. And the same is a little bit true for the reason why Lars is using this eye drops drug. It takes me a little bit too long to get an explanation there. But now the girls used it, perhaps it will get to the surface. I recently listened back to your podcast about the first episode, about the premiere, and you were being quite, quite negative about this Victorian guy, Gregors. Well, if you see him here, I think you could revise perhaps your opinion. I wonder what you think about him now. You thought that it was him that also blocked Ingrid's outing with classmates, etc. But I think it's more Marie, so Lars's ex-wife. I find this Gregor actually quite mild, especially for a Victorian guy. Okay, what about Made, Madeline, uh, Ingrid's girlfriend? She traveled probably back and forth through time. If we see her teeth, I get the impression that she lived for quite a while in the prehistoric era and got back again. Although she didn't age, so that is strange. But it possibly proves that going back in time is possible. Okay, we have to wait for next episode or even next season. That was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, um, yeah, glad Fred's gone into the uh, back catalog with Dark Angel season two and, and Birds of Prey. And Birds of Prey is one of those shows that that I, I've thought I'm almost surprised that the CW hasn't looked to reboot that because it was such a great premise and. Well, they, they did. Well, the CW didn't, but uh, they had the Birds of Prey movie that came out last yeah, year. Yeah, which was terrible. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't great, anyway. but <laughs> okay. it was better than um, Wonder Woman 1984, that's for sure. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I certainly agree with Fred about the lack of information regarding time travel, science, and whether or not we're going to get answers. I, I got to feel like i've said I, I believe we will get some answers hopefully sooner rather than later but i can wait that's the problem where we only got six episodes for this season and i don't know how long we're gonna have to wait for season two but he mentions the drops and and you know what happens to maddie like we said that's that's likely tied in and the the reason Maddie doesn't remember being in the past, if that's in fact what happens, we, we're just positing right. that. Exactly. But but all evidence points that way. I mean, the, the, sure, the sure. teeth and her vision of the burning cross. Right. So uh, anyway, um, anything else about Fred's feedback? No. All right, Fred, thank you. And thank uh, you, Fred. Keep, keep hanging in there with uh, Dark Angel season two. All right, what do you want to do for a grade on this one? I liked it. Yeah, I, me too. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to give this an A minus. Okay. Oh, I almost just, thought you were going to go a full on A, but uh, I, well, I was thinking about it for a second there, but you know, again, I just I don't I don't want to overgrade, you know. Like, I know, 
I know. I'm gonna hold back a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was. This was a great episode, though. I liked yeah. it a lot. So yeah, unfortunately, only two more to go. But I know. Uh, you know, so we will see uh, see what's happening. At least uh, it seems as if most television shows have their production in hand to deal with COVID at this point. So. I haven't read anything about this show's production and its production schedule and when season two is expected, but hopefully they are hard at work. And uh, I would be remiss to not remind everybody that Van Helsing season five, the final season airs on sci-fi Friday night. So, you know, this podcast comes out Friday morning. So I have seen the first episode. It is great. And I'll be curious to hear what everybody thinks about it. But that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Be Foreigners. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Shoot us an email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode five of the HBO Max series Be Foreigners. But until then... Dave, I am just, I am so distraught. I am almost out of my mind. I don't know what to do. It's just, I mean, my silver plated cocktail sticks were ruined in the dishwashing tumbler. 